Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage sport and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship, par 72, plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Like I told you before, you never know where I'm going to be next. Well, guess what? I'm at the 2012 Barrett Jackson Scottsdale Auction. And it's live, and they're bidding. There are tons and tons and tons of people here. This is extremely exciting. A lot of people here. A lot of cars. Really neat stuff. So stick around. I'm going to bring you guys up to speed. A lot of people know about Barrett Jackson, but not too many people know about Craig Jackson himself. So I'd like to welcome Craig Jackson to the radio show. Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Craig. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got uh, your whole thing with cars. Well, my parents started the business. I grew up in it, uh, starting from the first auction. Uh, I worked my way up through the company, and... Uh, I started restoring cars when I was uh, fairly young. I don't think a lot of people know that. I used to restore cars for Tom Barrett and Don Williams of the Black Hawk Collection, mostly pre-war French cars uh, was my specialty. And uh, I did all the operations for the auction for years, the tents, all the power logistics. And then my brother died suddenly in 95, and I took over the company. And... uh, being a car guy, I, I changed it, and it took it from just an auction and turned it more into a festival and added all the other amenities, put it on TV, put us on the Internet, started Internet bidding. That was all back in the mid-'90s, and uh, it changed the car hobby, I think, because a lot of new people then got exposed to it through Speed Vision back then, through all of uh, the stuff that we did on the web promoting and, uh, you know, just I grew up around cars, so I wanted to share this passion. I've been coming here since 1989, and I recall when you guys just had the tent out here. Mm-hmm. And at that time, a lot of the cars were high-dollar exotic foreign cars. There was a lot of pre-war classics that were here. So would it be fair to say that your dad and Mr. Barrett, were when they first started this, this was 1971, correct? Yeah, and they were selling all pre-war classics. Muscle cars were new cars still. And uh, when I took over, I changed the mix. Now I'm actually changing it back and adding more great classics back in. There's been a resurgence in the classics. Uh, It's not just the people that grew up with them that appreciate them. There's a younger generation that appreciate them. But I took us more towards muscle cars and uh, uh, more post-war cars. Would it be fair to say that you pay in tune into what the market is? So in terms of like muscle cars, for example, that's kind of like the market right now or has been for a number of years, but now we're seeing a slow trend back to pre-war classics, European cars. So Mm -hmm. now you're basically having those cars here as your inventory that you're auctioning off for guests and for buyers and bidders and so forth. Yeah, the pendulum swings both ways. You go from all pre-war classics to pretty much predominantly all muscle cars and now the pendulums come back that you're going to have a I think because that market's gotten stronger again as we saw 
last night. Uh, several cars, you know, at a million, two million dollars that were po- uh, pre-war cars. The profile of the people buying these cars now, would it be fair to say that a guy that's buying the Duesenberg or the Auburn or the Cord or the Delahaye might be the same guy also buying a muscle car, might be buying a foreign sports car of some kind? Yeah, people a- have diverse tastes, mm-hmm. but people like with the Tucker, there were several guys that have great collections but wanted a Tucker. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of collectors that have vast collections and the guy that i thought was going to end up with it has one of the greatest collections of uh, cars and has some of the best uh, shelby's and corvette grand sports and cars like that but he doesn't have a tucker mm, okay he, he still doesn't have a he tucker. still doesn't have a tucker <laughs> you know i read an article and i'm not sure when it was uh written but it was probably in the early 2000 range where they referenced barrett jackson the greatest show on earth do you recall that mm-hmm uh, and it's really true. I mean, you have single-handedly almost made this an industry leader, you know, your operation here. And now you have four locations. Mm-hmm. So you've got yes. Arizona, you've got uh, Los Palm Angeles. Beach, and Palm Orange Beach. County, and Vegas. Right. And, and Vegas was a natural for us. I mean, what we do here is pretty much like Las Vegas. It's uh, fast-moving, entertainment, uh uh, we're a natural for there. What do you think about the fact that all the other auctions have now come? I mean, we had RM for a while, but now you've got Gooding, you've got Bonham, you've got Russo, and you've got Silvers. I took and made that an advantage by the salon so that uh, they can bring all their buyers, and they all came over here and bought. Well, no, but do you think it's good for the whole week, the whole venue? I mean, you've got the event going on down at the pavilion. Is it uh, good for... The community for, for for Phoenix Scottsdale as a whole that it's become a an auction mecca, so to speak. Well, most people still just come for Barrett Jackson. I had a lot of people here that said they're not mm-hmm. going to go to the other auction because I got the inventory they wanted. That's true. Uh, this is a destination. Mm-hmm. Some people will go there and look at uh, stuff, but uh, I think what we did here yesterday, uh, there was a lot of people that uh, decided not to take the uh, journey because they're just little catalog auctions. They don't mm-hmm. have all this other stuff. So unless they have a specific car you want, right. uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I thought it was a good thing. Um, one of the very, very good buyers that was in there hadn't been to Bear Jackson before. Gooding brought him into town, and he ended up buying here. Super. That's amazing. So. Now, you yourself, tell us a little bit about you. You do some vintage racing on the side. You're a private car collector. Tell us a little bit about your car collection, and you're, and you're involved in vintage racing. In fact, wasn't there a car down there? It was like a mid-'80s. Um, if I read that right, there was a mid '80s uh, NASCAR down there that was. Did you had race at one point in time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, in my collection, I have Dan Gurney's AAR Cuda Trans Am car that he retired in mm-hmm. uh, 1969 70 Javelin. That was uh, a uh, Kaplan car. Then became a Penske prototype mule car for the '70 season. Uh, '70 Hemi Cuda convertible, plum crazy white leather interior. Uh, ZL1 Rally Sport. I bought that from the original owner. 1970 Hemi Challenger. uh, Black, black car. Bought that from the original owner. 71 Hemi Roadrunner. Bought that from the second owner in England. Uh, 67 435 horsepower Corvette. Red. Bolt-ons. Side pipes. Uh, The Green Hornet. EXP 500. One of the rarest Shelby's. 68. Prototype. Notchback. Shelby experimental car with uh, independent rear suspension, independent rear suspension, four wheel disc brakes, and fuel injection. Uh, my kids own through the trust the thirty four Shelby ever built. That was my brother's car. He left it to them and uh-huh. trust. Um, Any four twenty seven Cobras? Uh, two four twenty seven Cobras. Uh, the prototype wide hip car and the Smothers Brothers car. One's a trailer queen, one I drive. Oh, really? Um, one just underwent a full um, McCluskey restoration, so I don't drive it, but the other one's a driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, 67 uh, Shelby GT500 Resto Mod with an all aluminum 427 side oiler in it, mm-hmm. uh, air conditioning and stereo. Uh, it's like a real Elnor. I drive that. It's a real GT500. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you vintage race now? The the Cuda and the Javelin. Okay. Do you I, ever, race, I uh, race Trans Am. Okay. What else do I have? Motorcycles, by chance? Are you in vintage motorcycles at all? Uh, dirt bikes, not dirt bikes. street bikes. Okay. I have vintage CZs and Elsinores and oh, stuff no like the AJS Stormer. 
uh, Husqvarna's. can uh, KTM's, anything like uh, that? None of those. Mostly European bikes. Mostly European bikes? Okay. Uh, I grew up in that era uh, when they were still dominant until the Japanese took over. Yeah. Uh, what else in cars do I have? Buick GS Stage 1, four-speed convertible. Beautiful car. 74 Super Duty Trans Am. Four-speed car? Four-speed car. A couple of boycotting cars that were built on American Hot Rod. I'm trying to think what else. A Ford GT, a Bugatti Veyron. That's quite a few cars. That's a, yeah. that's an amazing collection and a collection to envy. Yeah, okay. I, I like fast cars. Okay. Uh, a 1950s hot rod that was uh, shown three times at the Oakland Roadster Show with Arden heads and a blower on it that was built in 52. Wow. So all steel car with pedigree. What do you drive on a daily basis? Either an Escalade, Bentley GT, or the Veyron. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Well, that's nice. So where are you planning on taking Barrett-Jackson from this level? I mean, you pretty much you've got four venues. You cover the West Coast, obviously, and you've got the East Coast Florida event. Is there anything else? In- oh, there's plans. I there's don't plans. want my competitors to know, but, okay. yeah, I'm on the march. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> All right, well, Craig, I want to thank you for coming on Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this short interview and uh, look forward to seeing you in Florida. All right, see you there. All right, thank you. Thank you. Listeners, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And yes, sirree, that was a live interview with Craig Jackson. Matter of fact, I did that back in January while I was out there at uh, in Scottsdale. And uh, pretty interesting guy, hard to get a hold of, but you know what? He finally gave me the time, and I was uh, very happy to get it. Really nice guy when you get to know him. You know, it's like a lot of guys, you know, they got a persona that they have to maintain, you know, because uh, they're who they are, you know. But uh, Craig Jackson really, truly is a car guy, you know. Um, I actually met him the first time back in the late 80s, early 90s when I was out in Scottsdale. and uh, But I was I was just a car guy there, and, you know, and he was just helping me passing through, and he knew some people that I knew. And it was just, just, it was just a casual, hey there, hi there, ho there, you know, that type of deal. But anyway, and while we're on the subject of Barrett-Jackson, it is this weekend. Matter of fact, it starts tomorrow in West Palm Beach for three days. So tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. So uh, run to your computers real quick, obviously. And Google Barrett-Jackson and uh, check out their inventory. they got some pretty cool cars on there. Matter of fact, while you're at your computer, you can Google Nostalgic Radio and Cars or Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in downtown Clearwater. As much as we'd like to say uh, Clearwater Beach, we're here in Clearwater. Hey, Lee, how are you doing tonight? I am fine. How are you? Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Good, good. So, hey, we've had some great weather, haven't we, lately? Oh, it's been amazing, yeah. I know. Beautiful, you know. It beats Michigan. No chemtrails. <laughs> no chemtrails. <laughs> but I've been it, waiting to say that for about you know for a while. For a while. Yeah. Like, uh, you want a weather report? Uh, no, yeah. Go ahead. Give us a quick weather report. Yeah, uh, give, give us the weather. See, uh, Seventy-seven degrees. Uh, chemtrail cl- uh, free skies <laughs> today. Nice and clear. Okay. Nice job, boys. <laughs> okay. Hope, you, hope, hope, you, hope you're enjoying your day off. Anyway, and here's a shout out from uh, what. I don't know. Spike, yeah, he's flying a what a gray seven forty seven. I don't know what the hell they use up there. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, hey, uh, what do we got fired up on our turntable this evening? We got an oldie, don't we? Yeah, I'm in the mood for. I just, can't figure out who, who I, this is. I thought it was Elvis at first. Well, it's Tom Jones. But I'm just in the mood for just some silly songs, you know, because it's just uh, I'm just in a silly mood here, so I'm just kind of having some fun. So we're just going to wing it. We don't have a guest. We just played that one little clip, and then we got another clip later that we're going to play. So uh, let's just uh, drop it in the groove, as they say. I'm going to tell you a story that's all about This job I had one time as a talent scout Mm. I had a hard day at the office and the boss wasn't in town The day this hairy-legged guitar figure just happened to come around Well, he walks into my office with his great big grin And folks, that's where my story really begins Mississippi. I write songs and I sing like a bird. I play licks on my guitar like you ain't never heard. But I'm down on my luck and things are just a little slack. I got a quarter in my pocket and a shirt on my back. 
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. We're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are live in downtown Clearwater, as I said before. Anyway, hey, how about a couple shout-outs to my usual buds. If you guys need signs, give Dougie a call at the sign shop. Uh, he's going to be making a really cool banner for us, and he's been making my decals, which, uh, you know what? If you call in 441-3000, and you are the... It doesn't matter. Just call in 441 727 and get, leave Lee your address. We will mail you a decal or two. So uh, if you want one of those, they're pretty cool. But anyway, Dougie at the Sign Shop, 727-392-4852. That's 727-392-4852 on Madeira Beach. That's a cool beach, too, by the way. And then, of course, if you need a squad car or a squad SUV, 
He's actually got some pretty cool uh, um, those uh, Magnum wagons, which are kind of wicked. I like those myself. I think those would look really cool with a nice set of polished aluminum 20s on them, uh, decked out with, uh, you know, the RT package on them. But anyway, he's got a couple of really cool squad cars down there. And that's Mark and John at Cop Cars Online, 727-536-2677, 727-536-2677. And, of course, my buddies down there. As a matter of fact, on our we had our 100th show coming up here pretty soon, and I was trying to figure out what to do for that show. So I figured, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to round up some of the old-timers. When I say old-timers, I guess I fall in that category, too, because I've been around since 71. But uh, some street racers. So I might have John from Cop Cars Online sit in with me, and I might have Dom from Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection. Okay, I might have Dom sit in with me, too, because I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of casually talk about the cool stuff that we used to do well, John can talk about it because he's a decade older than us, so he can talk about the neat stuff that they did in the late 50s, early 60s. Dom's been around since the 50s, too. I didn't get here until the 70s, but we did a lot of street racing back then. And again, I don't condone street racing, but you know what? Back in the day, it was really, really cool. But today, you know, where you need to do, you need to confine them to the drag strips, okay? and Or road courses or something like that. But anyway, so uh, a big shout-out to my friend Dom Forte at uh, Forte's Inboard and Auto Connection. That's down there in Pinellas Park on 66th Street, 727-544-6440, 727-544-6440. Hey, and if you need a really cheap car just to kind of buzz around with, a little uh, buy-here-pay-here type beater, give my buddy Mark at Mark's Auto Sales a call, 727-572-0354. 727 You know what? Mark used to have, and he still has, he has, he has a 11-second 55 shoebox, which is basically a 5, 6, and 7 Chevrolet. We call those shoeboxes, uh, or they do, the Chevy guys do. But anyway, this thing's got some sort of li- wicked little small block in it, a four-hooker, and a set of 488s hanging under the under the rear end of that car. And uh, it's a wheel standard. He can pull that thing six inches off the ground, so he's got some cool pictures. Matter of fact, we might even have Mark come in there, too, because Mark can tell us some old stories, because he knows Dom and uh, John. So that'll be kind of interesting. We're going to put together a little show on that, I think, for the 100th show, the one or two-year anniversary, I guess you would call it. But anyway, all right, so let's see. We've got a few minutes left, and we might go ahead and play another song, and then I might come back, because I'm debating whether I'm going to play this uh, little thing to kind of commemorate the Lamar. 24-hour Le Mans race that's coming up here in June. Last week, I played a little clip from uh, when Penske ran the uh, Nassau race in, uh, for the trophy race down in Nassau in 1963, which was actually one of his last races. And believe it or not, we actually had a couple callers and inquired about that and thought that was kind of cool. So I thought, well, you know, maybe what I'll do is from time to time, I'll play some clips from some old, uh, you know, races back in the day, some Vindy's 50s, 60s, 70s. In fact, I was listening to the one uh, that was narrated. I can't remember the host or the... Uh, the gentleman, the PR guy, but uh, it was a 1959 Le Mans uh, race, uh, 12 hour or 24 hour race, and I, that's the one that Carol Shelby won. Anyway, I found that clip, and uh, I may play that too. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, fire up this other old oldie, kind of a corny song, but it's kind of cool. It's just you know I had to cruise to the beach today for some reason. I was just reminiscing Lee, so I just thought you know this song from Jerry Reed was just kind of a cool old song because it was out in 1971, which is right about the time I moved here. So let's go ahead and let's uh, spin the table, as they say. Is that it? Yes! Here comes Amos! Amos Moses was a Cajun. He lived by himself in the swamp. They hunted alligator for living. He just knock him in the head with a stone. The Louisiana law gonna get Amos. It ain't legal hunting alligator down in the swamp, boy. Now everybody blamed this old man for making him mean as a snake. When Amos Moses was a boy, his daddy would use him by alligator bait. Tie a rope around his waist and throw him in the swamp. Sheriff got wind and ain't 
swamp crabbing alligator skin. So he stuck in the swamp, gonna get the boy, but he never come out again. Well, I wonder where the Louisiana chef went to. Too. You know what? We got some studio issues tonight, but uh, you know it happens it, with the it's equipment. It's all my fault. No, it's not your fault, Lee. It's just it's the it buttons. <laughs> but I'm anyway, okay. But anyway, hey, uh, you know what? I think I mentioned to you guys once before. If you've been, if you guys are avid listeners, okay, we've already had a couple phone calls. A couple of people already got signed up for some decals. So if anybody else wants some decals, I got about a dozen of the decals left. So give us a call here at studio seven two seven four four one three thousand seven two seven four four one three thousand. Leave your name and number. And we'll send you some nostalgic Radio and Cars decals. They're really groovy. they got a 1957 T-Bird gasser on the front. Pretty wicked, uh, pretty bitch in drawing, really. i got to thank my buddy Jeff Allison out in Oregon who did the artwork, and it's just absolutely amazing. So they're groovy. Anyway, and matter of fact, a lot of my customers, I've been walking, running around town. I've been actually sticking them on their front door. So when you walk up to the door, you open the door of their business. At eye level, you'll see a nostalgic Radio and Cars, WTAN radio sticker how about that that's cool anyway so uh where was it going with nice this? nice logo by the way yeah it is pretty cool it is yeah. it's a trick out trick piece of artwork um and he's working on some other ones for me too so that'll be cool and um, we're going to use one of them on our website that we'll eventually get around the building which we need to anyway as i was saying before i'm starting to get to uh i mentioned to you guys that i've been writing some stuff for sports car market i actually have their magazine right in front of me so the uh, which issue is this i guess this would be the april 2012 there's one of my articles in there that i did for uh keith martin sports car market magazine uh, which is pretty cool a lot of a lot of nice colors and stuff like that but basically what the magazine is it does features on a lot of the cars that were uh or that are at auctions or that were at auctions okay so for example what you would do is for example uh, one of the cars that I did was a 67 Shelby at Russo and Steel, for example. So I'd have to walk around the car, okay? And then what I do is I look at the car and I assess the condition of the car. And it's really, you know, when we do an, a market analysis on the car or an auction analysis, it's kind of like, you know, you've got to be experienced. You can't just be any sort of uh, jack to just, hey, I'm a car guy, you know, and I, I owned a 1978 Chevette or something like that, and I read a lot of magazines, um, but for the most part, I sit home and do nothing. You can't be that type of a guy. You got to be a guy that's kind of like been in the business. Uh, you don't get to uh, apply for the job. You're basically uh, referred to, or you're referred. I mean, your name is kind of like thrown in the hat, so to speak. And then they call you up and they ask you all kinds of questions and they quiz you. And they want to make absolutely sure that you are qualified. And of course, they want to make sure you can get to the auctions. Okay, and you got to pretty much do that on your own dime. They do reimburse you, however. Or pay you a little something for looking at the cars and writing the articles. But as as an example, okay, like I'm talking about this 67 Shelby GT500. Take that back. It was a 67 GT350, okay? Pretty cool car. Two-owner car. Uh, mostly original sheet metal. Uh, older paint job. It was not a restored car, for example. And it was just a nice car. And it had a set of 10 spokes on it. Because in 67, you could either get uh, Kelsey Hayes 5 spokes. Or you could get the uh, 10 spokes that were... Uh, 
made by, I can't remember the name of the manufacturer, but they also did the 69 wheels for the 69 Shelby as well. Anyway, this was a GT350 four-speed car. So it was pretty much your basic 1967 GT350 Shelby. So it had, you know, there's two sets of seats that you could get as far as the upholstery. You've got to know that. You've got to have some experience. And the early cars had uh, smooth seats, and later cars had comfort weave. And I think that was also an option in 68 as well. I think the early 68s had comfort weave, and the later ones went back to just, uh, you know, stitch vinyl or something like that. And uh, But at any rate, so I'd walk around the car, and you have to kind of know the cars, and you have to be able to look at the condition, and you have to tell whether it's, you know, reproduction parts, whether it's original parts or not. But in this case, the car was fairly original piece. So uh, the only thing it had, I think, was a set of rechrome bumpers on it. But the work was done on the car probably 10, 15, 20 years. It was an older restoration. Really, really solid car. A lot of good documentation on the car. The guy had the original paperwork from Shelby Inc., out in, or Shelby American out in California. He had the uh, transportation sheets, which was kind of rare. You rarely ever find those. So when the car left Detroit, actually take that back, when it left San Jose, because it was a 67, it actually has the uh, truck info, the transport info. So there was like six 67 Shelbys, or Mustangs is what they started out as, on their way to the Los Angeles uh, facility there where Carroll Shelby was. And um, it actually gives down the cars. The options that they had, for example, it was an automatic car, an air car, or it was an automatic uh, four-speed car, no air, or four-speed with air, which is extremely rare for muscle cars back in those days, particularly Shelby's as well. And uh, so it gives you all that information. So anyway, that was in the thing. He had an original uh, owner's manual, not a reproduction owner's manual, but an original one, and it was signed by Carroll Shelby, um, which, which was kind of cool. you know. So he had all this, plus the dash was uh, the dashboard glove box, just above the glove box. That was signed by Carroll Shelby. He likes to do that kind of stuff, which is kind of cool. So he basically authenticates all the cars for you. So that was kind of neat. But anyway, so I walked around that car. The going number on a real nice driver, 67 small block, four-speed car, is probably anywhere between, in today's market, 75 to 90, something like that. Um, Four years ago, in 2006, 2005, 2007, when the market was still going kind of crazy. But let's just say 2005, 2006, that was kind of like the peak period. That car probably would have done over 100000 bucks. It would have done, you know, 120, 125 or something like that, uh, where big blocks were probably pushing close to 200. Um, Dom Forte, our real good friend that's going to be on our show, uh, Forte's inboard and auto connection, has a stunning 67 Shelby GT500 four-speed. Now, 67 Shelbys, for your information, is probably the most desirable of the 67, 68, 69 cars. Okay, and that's because that's the only year they offered it a factory dual quad setup. So all those cars have a C7ZX intake manifold on them. They have a set of BJBK carburetors. BJ is the first designation, or it's got like a C6. Actually, they were a C5 carburetor, but the BJBK designation denotes that it was for used for a 67 428 coverage or 428 car, not coverage because they didn't have coverage until mid 67, 68. Uh, so anything prior to. A 66, 67, 428 car would have been a uh, engine would have been a PI motor, what they call police interceptor. Base motor, you know, just a mild cam in it, nothing really spectacular or anything like that. You know, instead of aluminum pistons, maybe more than likely probably cast. But anyway, it came with a factory dual quad setup. So uh, Dom's car, which was originally, I believe, a green car, is now currently a, looks like Britney Blue. It's in between Britney Blue and kind of a Night Miss Blue. So it's a stunning, stunning car. And he has recently brought that car out of his uh, little private collection and started showing that car, too. So that car, for example, two years ago, three years ago, was probably two $250,000 car. In today's market, probably just uh, south of 200 180 200 That's probably what that car would do in today's market. But back to the 67. So the 67 was a pretty nice car. I pegged the car somewhere around 70 80 because uh, it was just, you know, the paint was a little edgy. The interior was a little bit worn. But it, it would it had the kind of a nice patina to it you know it wasn't uh it wasn't abused it wasn't overly used it was just a nice cared for car and keep in mind when you guys have these cars you know you can go out and buy a really 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 nice car uh you know and in many cases a lot of these cars are over restored but the money is and among collectors what collectors look for is original unrestored, unmolested cars. As close to when the cars rolled off the assembly line, that's what's important. That's what you want to look for when you buy a collector car, okay? And it doesn't matter whether it's a Camaro, whether it's a Torino Cobra Jet, whether it's a GTX, whether it's a GOAT, uh, you know, which a GTO, rather. 
um, or any one of those cars, you know. So, you know, those are some of the tips when you're out there looking for a car. Try to find one as close to original as possible with all the original sheet metal on it. And it doesn't have to be pretty. It used to be that everybody wanted a pretty, pretty, pretty car. But now the values have changed a little bit, and people are finally starting to recognize that an original unrestored car is more valuable. Okay, uh, Back to the 67 now, the little white one. Okay, So it, everything on the car was fairly original. Even under the hood, everything was nice. I mean, it was clean, original, unmolested, wasn't abused, hadn't been tinkered with. I mean, there was no aftermarket carburetors or intakes or air cleaners. It was fairly original. Okay, The interior was nice. Okay, The only thing it had was a paint job, and the paint job was checking a little bit. Outside of that, pretty nice old car. Well, anyway, I think that car ended up doing $92,000. I think that's what the number was on that car finally when it went through the auction. Uh, um, at Russo and Steel back in January. So the guy was pretty happy with that. You know, factor in his 10% sales fee that he's got to pay. So he netted somewhere, you know, in the 70s or in the 80s for it. So that wasn't bad. So he was happy with that. Um, let's see. I just looked at a car last week after the show, as a matter of fact. Uh, a friend of mine here, local guy, uh, I won't mention his name because he wants to remain anonymous, but he's got, he also has a really, really nice GT500 Shelby KR. KR stands for King of the Road. Okay. And the King of the Road cars, which is the, Second half of the production for the 68 Shelbys, the KRs all have 428 Cobra Jets. Anything prior to that would have basically a 67, 68 early motor, which is a PI, Police Interceptor 428. So they don't have the extra heavy-duty webbing in the block, and they don't have the heavy extra heavy-duty rods, the Cobra Jet rods or anything like that. But it's still a stout motor, okay, the PI motors. But the Cobra Jet is the one that everybody is looking for. But anyway, so my friend's car, won't mention any names again. I almost caught myself there. But anyway, his car is a really nice blue, uh, close to an Acapulco blue, 68 automatic, no air car. Very, very nicely done. Probably to the point where almost too nice to drive because now he's got this car. He bought it years ago. He paid a fair amount of money for it. He's trying to get, uh, he's looking to get somewhere in the 150 range for it. So if you guys, hey, by the way, if you guys have any interest in any of these cars that I'm mentioning, some of these cars are for sale. Some of these cars um, are, well, let's put it this way. They are for sale. Uh, at the right price. But if you have any interest in give me a call. My number is 727-541-1741. That's 727-541-1741. Give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, and I'll be glad to help you out with some of these cars. Or if there's something else you're looking for, you know, because I do broker cars, I do consulting, I do pre-purchase inspections, and I do appraisals. And I've been in this business for quite some time. As a matter of fact, really my car background as a car guy is the wrecking and salvage yard. I don't even know if I've ever really sat on the show and talked about what I used to do. Have I, Lee? So... But anyway, that's what I used to do. I was in the wrecking guard business, and that was just purely by accident because, actually, I was, my background's real estate. I had a piece of property I couldn't rent, so I bought a car, parted it out, bought another car, parted it out, bought another car, and parted it out. Next thing you know, I had a whole bunch of junk cars laying around, or at least by definition, uh, to the code enforcement people, it was a junk car. But my definition and all my customers and my collector friends, they were just really, really cool relics. You know, They were restorable classics, as we called it. But at any rate, um, getting back to that, that, that back in that day in 1982, I actually started out with Mustangs. And at one point, I probably had the largest collection, I shouldn't say collection, the largest inventory of used Mustangs uh, probably in the state of Florida. At one point, I had 800 Mustangs on the ground scattered everywhere between two salvage yards. That's 800 Mustangs. That's a lot of cars. But that's back when you can buy them for a few hundred bucks. And what's really sad is the cars that I bought back in the day and I parted out, and I junked, are better than the cars that they fix today. Those cars had original sheet metal, original quarter panels, original doors, original fenders, the stuff that people would kill for. But what happened is in the early 80s, the mid-80s, like 85, 86, 87, okay, the reproduction market got really, really fired up and really, really hot. So the first thing they started doing is they started reproducing doors, and and not doors so much, but hoods and fenders and and bumpers and all all the sheet metal. Well, that kind of impacted my business a little bit. And then, of course, the trim stuff they were doing anyway. You know, they were, they were reproducing the uh, upholstery kits. They were reproducing headliners. They were reproducing dash pads. Um, although, keep in mind, a lot of the reproduction stuff was on the market back in the early set, late 70s, actually, early 80s. But a lot of the OEM stuff, which is Original Equipment Manufacturer, that's what OEM stands for. NOS is New Old Stock. So if you see those two designations, that's what they mean. But all the original... Equipment manufactured stuff was, in many cases, didn't matter whether it was Ford, Chevrolet, or Chrysler, was actually still available over the counter. You could actually go to Ford and buy. You might not have been been able to buy a 68, 69, uh, 70, 71 production red oxide fender, for example, but you would have got it in the black uh, paint that they put on it or the back. uh, It was like a base coat, kind of like a primer type. 
Uh, you, that's how you would have got your sheet metal back in the in the late 70s, okay? But you never know. They still had intake manifolds. I mean, even in the 70s, I could still go over to Ford, and um, even though some of the stuff was outdated, you could buy a 289 Hypo Distributor, for example, which was a real common conversion if you had a 71, 72, uh, 70, 71, 69, 70 Boss 350, Boss excuse me, Boss 302, because they came with a distributor that had vacuum advanced and dual vacuum advanced ports on them. But in 65, all the 289 Hypo cars had a distributor on it that, was, that did not have a vacuum advance because in racing you just set it and you go. So that part was, that distributor was actually available in 70, 71, 72, 73. So if you had a 302, which the distributors actually interchange uh, with a 302 and a 289, and uh, I believe a Windsor also, I'm not sure, 100%, but uh, like Cleveland's interchange with 460s, 429s, uh, 390s, and all the FE motors are by themselves. Um, but the 289s and the 351 Windsors and the 302s, I think their distributors all interchange i'm i'm almost 100 percent i you know i'm keep in mind i'm searching in my my mental archives here to try to recall all this information but nonetheless uh so the aftermarket industry basically started coming on real strong in the 80s and a lot of people that were purists would not buy reproduction parts myself included we would use oem parts or good quality used parts on our cars well that theory okay that position still holds strong today if you're restoring a car and you've got all original sheet metal in your car. Even if it's used, it's original period correct sheet metal. That stuff adds value to your car. If you throw reproduction fenders on them, which don't always fit right, reproduction doors, you know, any sheet metal. I mean, yes, in some cases you're going to have to use quarter panels and you're going to have to use rear body panels and they have to be welded on. Um, the quality of the work is what kind of dictates the, you know, the overall value of the car when it's all done in the final final analysis. But the main thing is you want to try to use as much original equipment as possible. Now, as far as the soft uh, goods, like, for example, your dashes, your upholstery, your headliners, and things like that, you don't really have a lot of options there because to get really nice stuff, you're almost going to have to buy uh, reproduction unless you have really, really deep pockets, and then you can actually go to an upholstery shop and actually have them kind of recreate what was in the car originally. So now you're getting you know American-made stuff, upholstery, material, vinyl, whatever, and put it back on your car, and then it's going to look you know fairly original. It's going to have that right texture to it and that right feel, you know. And that's real important when you do seats. You know, a lot of guys when they do, uh, when they reproduce, when they recondition their cars or restore their cars, they buy the seat covers, which is basically what you do. You buy it from National Parts Depot, and you might put it on your '69 Camaro, your Chevelle, or your Pontiac, or something like that. And if you don't fit them right, okay, and you don't stuff them just right, they don't have a fullness to them. They don't have a thick look to them, you know, like a factory look. They got a little wrinkle here and a little wrinkle there, and you just it just doesn't come out, and it just doesn't look right. It basically denotes shoddy work. You know, just you had a guy that just wasn't really conscientious about his 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 job, and you know, he just basically slammed it together, and out the door went, and in comes the next one. So. You know, those are the things that you look for. Well, getting back to what I do for this for a sports car market is when I do these analysis reports, that those are some of the things that I look for on these cars. You know, everybody brings these cars to the auction, and they're there for a whole host of reasons. It could be a guy just buys, fixes them, and sells them. It could be someone who's just tired of the car that they got, and they want to buy something else, and they want to just get rid of it because an auction is usually a pretty good venue to get rid of a car because you don't have to deal with a lot of tire kickers. And wannabes, you know, and the guys that come with tons of stories, like, I used to have one back when I was in grade school, or I rode to school with a friend of mine, or I tripped over one in a parking lot sometime, somewhere, somehow, or something like that. But anyway, at an auction, you're there usually to sell, or or you're there to buy, one of the two, okay? So at any rate, so we look at these cars, we walk around, we make an assessment, and then we have to write it, do a little write-up on them. And they want a little humor in them. So sometimes I might sit there and add a little humor. For example, there was a Volkswagen that was the Hollywood Wheels auction uh, down in West Palm Beach um, back in December or November when that was. And here's this Volkswagen that from 100 feet away looked like a really nice car. Cute little red convertible, you know, black top, black interior. Nice little Volkswagen Beetle convertible. Well, until you got up on top of the thing, and when you did, <clears throat> excuse me, and you were uh, like uh, a foot away, uh, the the car started to haunt you. You know, it was really telling some serious stories there. You know, I lo- I looked underneath the car because that's always the first place I kind of tend to look. And I think somebody used a 1939 World War II MIG welder. Excuse me, not even a MIG welder, a uh, stick welder. Okay, they didn't have MIG and TIG back in those days, I don't think. But I mean, and it looks like they probably ran down through the neighborhood and grabbed yield signs and stop signs and kind of cut them there with their little tin snips and just kind of like placed them in 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 some sort of uh, fashion that it just kind of like configured to the floor and then went 
crazy and just put all kinds of gorilla wells on the thing. I mean, it was just absolutely hideous. But you know what? At least he could bolt his seats on and you wouldn't fall through the floor. So it wasn't exactly a, a Fred Flintstone car or anything like that. But it was a nasty-looking job. But overall, for I think the car ultimately sold for 6500 bucks. Okay, So for 6500 bucks plus the 10% sales fee, so let's just call it $7,500, here you had this beater Volkswagen that all you had to do is just kind of like throw your surfboard in the back, add a couple dogs, a couple babes, and you're off to uh, Clearwater Beach and having a good time. And guess what? If you got caught in a rainstorm, it wouldn't matter. You know, so you have to kind of look at it from that perspective. The seats were kind of ripped and torn. The stitching was coming apart. The top had the same problem. It was black. It went up and down. For the most part, it would keep the sun off you, but there were so many holes in it. It was like, you know, you've heard the old expression, what kind of air do you have? 250 air. Well, that's two windows down at 50 miles an hour. Well, this had 250 air plus a whole bunch of perforated holes in the top. So not only did you get the two window airs, the 250 air, but you got, you know, the st- you got you got a serious draft in that baby. But anyway, so there's an example of another car. But you know what? There was a buyer for it. And at that price range, that wasn't bad because a nice Volkswagen, a nice Beetle convertible, 73, 74 body style, which is what this one was. I think it was 73 or 74. Those cars are probably fourteen, fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000. I mean, that's the real money on a nice little car with original floors, original running boards, original sheet metal. And hey, believe me, there are tons and tons of generic parts out of Mexico because they build Volkswagens in Mexico. Uh, on the market. So Volkswagens are cheap to fix. Okay, so that's another car that you really have to look at real close. Make sure you've got original German fenders, hood, doors, stuff like that. Floor pans, don't get real excited about that because most of the, and like I said, a lot of the sheet metal that you have to weld on, for example, like quarter panels and rear body panels, those you have to trim and fit and make fit right. If you don't have original ones, you can use reproduction parts. On a car that's not real valuable, then it kind of works. It doesn't really make a lot of you know, a sense to sit there and go out and try to find NOS or OEM parts unless you're restoring a Shelby, a Boss, a Cobra, a Ferrari, a Porsche, or, or something that's got some real value to it, you know. But the run-of-the-mill cars, generic parts, aftermarket stuff, works fine, you know. So at any rate, one of the other cars that I looked at over there while I was at the uh, Russo and Steel deal was um, there was a 1969 Chevelle. Really nice, a black-on-black convertible. Beautiful, beautiful car, Factor 396, 375 horse convertible with a four-speed. That's what the paperwork said, okay? The problem with the Chevrolet is, is that 66, 67, 68, all the SS396 cars have a 138 code designation in the in the serial number, from what I recall, okay? Pretty sure about that. So 69, 70, 71, 72... Um, 69, 70, 71, because that's a high horsepower range. Those cars are often cloned, copied, uh, rebodied. Just you got to look at those cars really, really, really close. This is where, particularly, a Ford, a Chevrolet, a Ford, a Chrysler, and a AMC. There's a lot of information in the VIN code, the body style, the engine code, you know, things like that. So you can pretty much it's a safe bet what you're buying on General Motors and particularly Chevrolet. You can't. That's Those are the one cars that are most often cloned, copied. There's probably more 69, 70, 71, big block, four-speed, with air, uh, Chevelle convertibles running around than any other uh, make and model on the planet right now. And uh, so those cars you have to look at. But anyway, so this 69 Chevelle rich, really did. It had original sheet metal on it because the quarter panels were original. Now, keep in mind, we were in Arizona. So this was a Western car. And Western cars just simply don't rust to the extent that they do up north in the Rust Belt or down here in the southern Rust Belt, if you want to use the term. But this Chevelle was a really, really nice car. Had the right SS hood on it. Had the right uh, SS wheels on it. Four-speed tack-and-gauge car. Uh, just really nice piece. 375 horse, goodies underneath the hood. Um, had the right heads on it. Had the right in- aluminum intake on it. Carburetor, I didn't really check it, but it was a Holly. But it was looked like a period-correct one. Could have been, you know, one that was redone by Chevrolet or through Holly, which you can order, by the way. Uh, or it could have been just, uh, you know, could have been off another Chevelle. But anyway, but it had a correct period-looking carburetor on it. Neat piece. But that car brought close to $80,000, which mm, I thought that was strong. I figured the car at fifty sixty um, because I wasn't unsure because it, I wasn't sure because it didn't have the right paperwork with it because he couldn't verify that it was a real documented car. There was no build sheet on the car. There was no warranty card. There was no protector plate, warranty card, protector plate of the same thing. Uh, there was no information. There wasn't even an original invoice on the car. It's just that it was done so nice and so correct looking that we just assumed or the buyer or whoever, somebody just assumed that it was a correct SS396 Chevelle convertible. Very, very popular car. Very, very, very 
good-looking car. It even had the right cowbell uh, exhaust tips on it. I mean, it was just a nice piece. You know, another car that I looked at over there was a beautiful, and John, our friend from Cop Cars Online, he had one of these, but there was a black-on-black 66 El Camino 327, 275-horse factory bench seat four-speed car. Nice car. It had reproduction fenders on it, had uh, reproduction wheels on it. It had, uh, obviously, the interior had been redone, but the car was, um, for a black car, somebody blocked and blocked and blocked on that one because it was blocked and sanded and buffed and wet sanded and buffed and I mean it was stunning it looked like a mirror but it was straight yes it was clearly over restored but it was a nice car that car only brought $32,000 across the block I thought that was cheap 32000 because I know John got probably a little bit more than that for one of his cars too because he had a very similar car but his was red colors make a difference yes they do red cars and black cars seem to bring a lot of money white cars blue cars green cars eh not so much you know how are we doing on time, Lee? Uh, I'm going to start playing uh, Break On Through pretty soon. We've got about oh, two and a half minutes. We've got two and a half, three more minutes? Okay, well, I, you know what? We, I wasn't even sure at the beginning of the show I could run my mouth this long, but I guess I can. Yeah, you know? it's, it sounds like I've had a little well, practice at this. You huh? know, uh, no, you have absolutely no problem in that area. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's I, I hope... It's personal by, experience. I hope my listeners are... I'm, I hope I'm not boring them. Anyway, but hey, uh, back to... It was uh, interesting. It was interesting? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but anyway, hey, if you get a chance, run to the bookstores, pick up a copy of Sports Car Market, Heath Markins, uh, Sports Car Market uh, magazine. He also does a uh, American Car Collector, okay, which basically focuses on mostly American cars. Sports Cars a Market is mainly European cars, but they just brought American Car Collector out here about two months ago, and uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool magazine, and there's a lot of good articles in there. And then, like I said, every once in a while, some of the contributors, which I'm considered a contributor, people that write. Um, they will do a feature on a car, like a one-page feature with pictures and stuff like that. So they go into a, a serious detail about that a particular car, which they kind of fancy. Okay. Speaking of which, Dale Novak, who's out of Tampa, is also a contributor for um, for uh, um, for a sports car market. He's going to be at Bear Jackson this weekend. He found this really, really cool. Go online and check it out. He found his amazing 1966 Thunderbird convertible. I was just telling Lee about this earlier. A baby blue car, white interior, one owner car from what I understand. It's, an, it's a very interesting story how he went about acquiring the car. But it is a rare 428 PI engine car. Okay, 428, 66, 67. Uh, Thunderbird with air. That's extremely rare, but it's a convertible. Beautiful car. We're guessing. He's hoping that that car will probably do 50 grand. So be sure to watch Bear Jackson on Speed Channel. I think that's Saturday, Friday, Saturday night. It'll be on TV. Okay, Lee, I know you're a big car fan. You're from Detroit. And you like Thunderbirds, too. Yeah, I love those old T-Birds. Oh, they're, they're great cars. But anyway, so Dale found this really, really cool car. And he's going to be doing the ride-ups down there at uh, Bear Jackson, which will be featured in American Car Collector in a couple of months. So he's going to do a special article on that 66 Thunderbird, which is an absolutely stunning car. So anyway, everybody else, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I hope I didn't bore the heck out of you guys. Be sure and tune in next week, same time, 7 o'clock. And uh, drive carefully, stay safe, love your family, and I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Hey, and if you really are up for a real road trip, Columbus, Ohio is the big Ford show this weekend also, okay? And uh, how are we doing on time, Lee? Oh, about 15, 20 seconds. 15, 20 seconds. All right, that gives me enough time to basically say goodbye again. All right, so we'll see you guys next week. I got a really cool guest coming up next week, and I got an even more important cool guest coming up in a couple weeks from now. So we'll see you guys next week and at some of the car shows.